You're listening to the Northeast Newscast, episode 107. On this week's episode, we are speaking with Joni Wickham, former chief of staff to Mayor Sly James. Wickham discusses her time in City Hall, the changes she saw over eight years of service, the various projects she worked on, her advocacy for women's empowerment, what female leadership looks like in Kansas City, and what she is doing right now. This week's episode of the Northeast Newscast is sponsored by By the Law Painting and Rehab. Family owned for over 35 years in Kansas City, they specialize in residential and commercial rehab projects, including exterior and interior painting, drywall, kitchens, bathrooms, windows, granite, Victorian restorations, and much more. If you need it done, they get it done. Call Damian Law at 816-874-5804 for a free estimate or check out bythelawrehab.com. That's 816-874-5804 or online at bythelawrehab.com. The Northeast Kansas City Historical Society presents its 8th annual Fall Homes Tour Saturday, October 12th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Enjoy the history and architecture of five homes and the 1914 Northeast High School building in the charming Indian Mound neighborhood. Advanced tickets are $15 or $18 the day of the tour. Visit NEKCHS.com for more information. That's NEKCHS.com. So we are here today um, with Joni Wickham. Thank you for joining us, your former chief of staff for Mayor Sly James. So I want to kind of give our listeners a little bit of a brief intro to you, kind of how you joined his staff for Mayor Sly James and kind of what got you there. Um, So tell us a little bit about your journey. Absolutely. You may detect just a hint of a southern twang in my voice. I'm originally from um, North Carolina, a teeny town in rural North Carolina. I went to a small all-women's college for undergrad where I got my very first political job when I was 19, interning for then U.S. Senator John Edwards. Holy moly, that's where I learned a lot. (laughs) Some of the things that I loved about that whole experience was that it definitely was interesting. I can definitely say I've never had an experience like that since then, but sometimes we can learn important lessons from poor leadership, and that definitely was the case there. So I learned a lot about what not to do. So then I went to graduate school at the University of Missouri, go Tigers, finished my master's degree there and worked at the state capitol for several years, mostly for then Secretary of State Robin Carnahan. Through those connections with Robin and her family, I was able to meet some folks who were working on then-candidate Sly James' mayoral race. And when he won in the spring of 2011, I got a phone call from a friend who was like, hey, this guy named Sly James needs some communicators on his staff. Do you want to come interview for this job? And I had just kind of seen the the nastiness of the Senate race in 2010, and I wasn't really sure that I wanted to continue in politics just because it just left a ugly taste in my mouth. But I thought, you know, let's, I'll I'll go have lunch with them. You know, can't hurt anything. And within five minutes of that meeting, of meeting him, hearing him talk and learning more about his vision, I thought, if this dude offers me this job, I'm sold. I'm going to be here. And he did. The rest is history. That's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So was that your initial role or did you get put into that role later? I actually went on staff initially as a junior communication staffer. Okay. And then worked my way up and became director of public affairs after being on staff for about a year and a half. 
and then found out I was pregnant with my daughter. Okay. And so I was director of public affairs for a year. Some of that was when I was on maternity leave before John McGurk, my predecessor and, and really good friend, left to go back into the private sector. And Mayor James asked me to take over after John left. And it was an honor. I had always wanted to be a chief of staff to an elected official ever since I was a little girl. I don't know why, but I have always been obsessed with the news. You'll be happy to hear. That's wonderful. Uh, Yeah. And I used to like just watch the evening news with my grandparents. My grandparents never learned to read and write. I'm from rural North Carolina. Lots of poverty, lots of generational undereducation, that type of thing. My grandparents never learned to read or write, so I would read them the newspaper. And that sort of thing. So I I don't know, for a variety of reasons, I think I I always loved the news. And there was a hearing going on. I must have been eight or nine years old. There was a hearing going on at the state capitol in North Carolina. And it was Governor Jim Martin at the time. And I remember his chief of staff sitting there beside him. Of course, it was a white man (laughs) because it was was the 80s in North Carolina, of course. (laughs) But I just remember remember this guy who was his chief of staff. He just seemed to know a little bit about everything. And I thought, gosh, he's so smart. He's He's got this well-roundedness about him, you know, and I just thought that would be such a cool role to sit at the right hand of someone that has so much ability to do so much good, hopefully. <laughs> so I wanted to be chief of staff to an elected official since I was a very little girl. And lo and behold, I was able to do that for about five and a half years with someone who I consider to be an amazing leader over those years. We um, also happened to become best friends, which is amazing. A lot of people don't get that. Um, and I just feel very lucky to have had that experience. That's amazing. Yeah. That is such a good story. I really love that story. <laughs> so I want to know what your day-to-day looked like, what it was like, your experiences. I mean, I'm sure in eight years' time, you have so much that you could potentially talk about. Yeah. Um, but I want to know maybe some of the highlights or having to, the things that you saw or how you saw Kansas City change. So kind of give us a glimpse into what those eight years looked like. Sure thing. There was no day that looked like the day before or the day after. Every single day was different. I always kind of got up early, partially because during most of the time that I was in the mayor's office, I had a little kid. Uh, So I had to figure out how to balance everything that came with having a kid as well as working in a really fast-paced political environment. So I would always get up really early and and like take a look at my calendar, figure out what my day was supposed to look like, check the news, and then figure out what my day was actually going to look like. (laughs) Um, So it looked very different every day, but I loved it. I truly loved the experience. I cannot say that I loved every day because I didn't. (laughs) You know, that's just life sometimes. Some days can be really hard in positions like that. But overall, I'm tremendously grateful for the opportunity. I loved it. One of the things I loved so much about it was the ability to do so many different things. Each day, you know, I could be working on pre-K in the morning, have a lunch meeting about crime, and then meet with a developer about some transit-oriented development along the streetcar line, and then go talk to a group at UMKC about women's leadership, and then end by doing a town hall in the airport. You know, there's like so many different things that you got to work on every day. And I can remember thinking, how am I ever going to go sit in office and do just one thing again after having this experience? I just don't think my brain could have done it. So I just loved it. It was a great experience. You're absolutely right. The city changed so much from when we took office in May of 2011 to when we left. It's kind of like a different place now. And one of the things that's kind of an intangible that I feel really good about is that I feel like the Sly James administration was able to make the city feel good about itself again. I have a friend who lived in D.C. for like 15, 20 years, and he just moved back probably a year ago. He goes, Joni, 
everyone's got these KC t-shirts on. That never would have been a thing 15 years ago. That is so true. And it's so true, yeah. I was just talking to a friend about that the other day of of how you put KC on a hat or a cup or something. Socks, everything. People just pick it up. I love that. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about some of the highlights of of your time there or some of the projects that you're maybe most proud of or initiatives that you're most proud of. Sure. So um, when then Mayor James and I first started talking about me taking over as chief of staff, I was really struck by one question that he asked me. He said, well, let's say we agree on all this and you become chief of staff. What's important to you? And you don't usually get asked that question by an elected official because it's all about them and their agenda. And so I just kind of sat there for a minute and I thought, well, if I'm given an opportunity as a young-ish <laughs> woman, <You're> young, <laughs> yes, yes. young-ish <laughs> woman to lead, I wanted to take that opportunity to be able to help other women fulfill their potential too. So um, I really wanted to figure out a way to do a women's empowerment initiative. And of course, he embraced it wholeheartedly and really led on the issue. We were able to do so much with the Women's Empowerment Initiative. Um, We started the Appointments Project with the Women's Foundation, and we were able to get more women appointed to municipal boards and commissions. And there's a lot of research that shows that that can be a breeding ground for women running for office at some point. We also were one of the very first cities in the country to do a paid leave program. And initially, we had six weeks paid leave, and we bumped it up. And by the time we left, we were at eight weeks paid leave. So that was really important to us. We got national recognition, got to go to Congress and and be part of a reception, bipartisan reception, which doesn't happen very often, uh, with congressional members actually celebrating us. You know, typically when you go to D.C. for a reception like that, you're given accolades to a congressperson for whatever reason. But it was it was them celebrating stuff that we did here in Kansas City. So that was really cool. Another great moment, of course, would be the election for the single terminal. A year before that election, our polling indicated that, like, I think it was only 26% of people wanted a new single terminal. And I had people tell me that if I allowed the mayor, and that's what they said, allowed, which I thought that was an interesting word to choose, as if he asked me permission to do everything, you know. But I had people tell me if I allowed the mayor to put it on the ballot in November of 2017, I would be ruining my political career and his. And I thought, you know, I kind of like being underestimated, you know, which happens a lot when you're a young-ish woman. And so we just went full throttle and campaigned our butts off, worked so hard. The mayor was out from 7 in the morning to 11 o'clock at night sometimes. If there were two people in a room, he was there. I was there. Troy Schulte, our amazing city manager, was there. It was a big group effort. And that night we won. I really felt like we would win. I truly did. I had no earthly idea we would win with 76% of the vote. It was just complete. My heart was filled with so much gratitude that people really embraced our message and believed in it and, and saw what good a new single terminal could do for the city. So that was definitely another one. And then all the work we did on education. I talked a little bit about my background and come from a very poor, undereducated family. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you in the Northeast News offices today if it wasn't for education and everything we were able to do to get people to understand the critical importance of third grade reading proficiency in a child's life, creating Turn the Page KC and making it its own separate nonprofit. I'm extremely proud of the work we did on pre-K, even though that ballot initiative didn't pass. I really think we moved the needle. There are people in this community today who now know the value of pre-K, whether they voted for 
for it or not. They know the value of pre-K. They may just not have wanted their sales tax raised to pay for it. So hopefully somebody figures that out one day. (laughs) But yeah, I would say those are some areas that I'm extremely proud of. And the streetcar. I mean, lots of people called it everything from a toy train to worse. People just kind of thought it was going to be just something that tourists ride. It's the most successful streetcar system in the country. And there's great people who work at the Streetcar Authority, Donna and Tom over there. I mean, they're just fantastic people. And now we've created a whole culture of people who expect things like that. Absolutely. Now, definitely with the pre-K issue, I actually personally spoke with Mayor James during when he was, you know, discussing and having holding the meetings mm-hmm. in the community input sessions. I have a five-year-old as well who okay. was in should have been in pre-K at the time, but the Northeast community is what they call a pre-K desert. It is a pre-K desert. What they do have here is Woodland Early Learning Center. It's such a good, good uh, Mm -hmm. program. Yeah, it really is. However, you have to qualify for Head Start to get in. that's exactly right. So you kind of of miss this whole group of people who don't qualify for it, and you don't have any other options other than putting them in a, like he said, a $12,000 a year. Yeah pre-k program and I mean I'm like that was me like single mom five-year-old who should be in pre-k or four-year-old who should be in pre-k and having no access I know and so I'm like okay but again you're correct I feel like there's a lot of people now having those conversations now aware of what a pre-k desert even is and identifying those places so exactly yeah when we first started talking publicly in a big way about pre-k I was really surprised, and this is me living in my bubble, I was really surprised that people equated quality pre-K to just daycare and sticking a kid in front of a TV with Popsicle all day. Like that's that's not what we need to be pushing towards. We need to be pushing towards high quality daycare where the early childhood providers are paid what they're worth and uh, making sure that more people have access to those critical early development for kids' brains. Let's take a quick break and talk about this week's sponsor, By the Law Painting and Rehab. Family owned for over 35 years in Kansas City, they specialize in residential and commercial rehab projects, including exterior and interior painting, drywall, kitchens, bathrooms, windows, granite, Victorian restorations, and much more. If you need it done, they get it done. Call Damian Law at 816-874-5804 for a free estimate or check out ByTheLawRehab.com. That's 816-874-5804 or online at ByTheLawRehab.com. The Northeast Kansas City Historical Society presents its 8th annual Fall Homes Tour Saturday, October 12th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Enjoy the history and architecture of five homes and the 1914 Northeast High School building in the charming Indian Mound neighborhood. Advanced tickets are $15 or $18 the day of the tour. Visit NEKCHS.com for more information. That's NEKCHS.com. So I want to go back to something that you said earlier because... I met you at the She Should Run event. What was that, a few weeks ago? Yeah, it was August 26th, which was Women's Equality Day. Yes, it was amazing. We had some great panelists. Jolie Justice um, was on the panel. And it's a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization Mm -hmm. that encourages women to run for office. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about something you said about being underestimated. What are some of the challenges that you faced as chief of staff in your position being a young Young. I'm not going to say young-ish. You are young, being a young female. Yes. Many, definitely. You know, one of the things that Senator John Edwards said to me, which 
was absolutely life-changing. I was 19 years old, and I wrote a speech for him, and he must not have expected it to be very good because he was very impressed with it, thankfully. And I remember being like almost as shocked as he was that he liked my work as much as he did. And he said, you know, Joni, you're probably always going to be underestimated. And I just kind of looked at him and he said, because you're a petite female with a southern accent, you're kind of cute. I roll. (laughs) And people are always going to underestimate you because of that. And you can either be bitter and mad about it, or you can use it to your advantage. It's really your choice. And I thought, man, that that's powerful. It's not all good, but it was very empowering for me to hear, and he was not wrong. And so there's lots of different ways that women are underestimated, and there's lots of different ways that women can respond when they're underestimated. I've chosen not to be mad and bitter about it most of the time. I am human. (laughs) I mean, there are moments that I have to go home and have a glass of wine on my deck and just vent to my husband. (laughs) But I've chosen to use it to my advantage, and that can look a lot of different ways. I always strive to go into any meeting overprepared because I know if I am overprepared for something – that I will be confident and it's gonna show in my presence. People, both men and women, they can tell when you're not confident in what you're doing and in your skills. There's just different ways that it manifests itself, particularly in women in our executive presence. And so I know when I am overly prepared for a meeting, I'm gonna be more confident, I'm gonna feel that and I'm gonna give off that vibe. I just feel like I'm never going to be outworked by anybody. I may not know everything about the subject matter, but I'm going to work real hard to get up to speed as quickly as I can, and I just won't be outworked. And I think work ethic is something that's kind of overlooked. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't even really matter what your gender is most of the time. If you are willing to work really hard, you can do anything you set your mind to. Absolutely, I agree. So tell me a little bit about what you see as far as female leadership in Kansas City because this event I mean I was sitting at a table way in the back at the she should run event and there were I would say maybe three or four people at my table alone who were like man I really want to do this I really want to get involved and not even maybe for high high elected offices but just running for a school board or running for um, a neighborhood board, something that they can do in their communities with their children and with their families. They want to get involved, but they see a lot of challenges already in front of them. So I want to know what the female leadership looks like in Kansas City and really what the vision is for that from your perspective. Yeah, my personal opinion is I don't think we have enough female leaders. And I mean that all across the spectrum, whether it be in the nonprofit space, whether it's in our business community, whether it's elected leadership, we need more women across the board. One thing that I love about She Should Run is that it gives women leadership skills and it trains women on things like how to communicate your message, how to lead from where you are, how to lead people from where they are, because sometimes you have to meet a group of people where they are and bring them where you need to be. I felt that a lot with pre-K, actually. And the She Should Run training also helps women think things through uh, like networking and that sort of thing. And so at the end of a She Should Run training, if you decide not to run for office, I mean, let me be clear the goal is to get more women running for office but if for some reason you decide that's not for you those skills are so translatable to so many different areas of leadership and I think women have a diverse perspective and when women are at the decision-making table the decisions are typically better representative of the entire community 
And so I think that's what we need to be working towards. Another entity that we're working with is the Women's Foundation, and we're helping them spread the appointments project that we started in 2014. It was an idea just scribbled on a whiteboard, like what if we could get um, municipal boards and commissions in Kansas City 51% female? Wouldn't that be cool? Just an idea that started like that. Now we're working to spread that to other cities across the country. And one of the initial findings of research that we did in 2014 on that appointments project was the number one reason women don't serve in municipal boards and commissions. It's not because they don't have time. A lot of people thought it would be that. It's because they're not asked. So when you actually make the effort to be proactive and ask a woman to serve, usually she'll do it. And there's a lot of really good women leading boards and commissions now because of that work. Yeah, I... Again, before we started recording, I I saw a few statistics that I wasn't sure um, if they were accurate, but I I definitely would love to see a lot more female leadership in Kansas City, um, just from what I've seen. And there was one thing that Jolie Justice said that I, on the panel, that I just have thought about and just mulled over. Um, You know, she was one of the two candidates for Mm -hmm. mayor against now Mayor Quentin Lucas. Mm -hmm. And so she said, you know, hey, it's how you define failure, Mm -hmm. what failure means to you. She's like, because from the outside, it could look like I failed not being elected to office. But, you know, I I didn't fail at anything. You know, I I put myself out there. I ran for office. I followed what I wanted to do. So that was one thing that really stuck with me. So I just... Yeah, I was so glad that she brought that up during that panel because Mm -hmm. another part of the She Should Run curriculum that we talk about a lot is fear. And women, I mean, everyone has fear when you're going to put yourself out there, but women tend to have to overcome fears that a lot of men don't have to deal with. And so I was glad that she brought that up. I was able to teach a group of women in the Kansas City Regional Cohort for She Should Run in August. And I think the feedback was just unbelievable that the section on fear was what they really got the most out of, which is, it's interesting. It's kind of telling, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. So I think I just have a couple more Mm -hmm. questions for you, but I do want to say maybe for those who did not get to attend or are interested in the future, what would you say to a female who maybe isn't wanting to run for office, but put herself in a position of leadership in any career or pursue a career or even try to run for office and be elected? What would you say to that person? I would say to figure out issues that matter to you and then to devise a plan to get you there. I was just talking with a young woman yesterday who's considering running for office and she's got two little kids at home and we were talking about how there's a season of life for everything. And um, she was saying that she really wanted to run for elected office but she didn't feel like she can do it now. That's okay because you might be in a different part of your life in five years from now, you know, for her when her kids are older, that sort of thing. So I would encourage women to figure out what issues they really care about because when you're spending time on issues that you care about, it's not work. It's almost like a calling. And so after that, I would say figure out a plan to get you uh, where you're most comfortable and where you need to be. There's lots of resources now. There's so many more resources for women leaders now than there even was 10 years ago. She Should Run is definitely one of them. The Women's Foundation is, is another one for sure. I'm glad that we live in a world where there are more resources for women leaders. There's also still a lot of gender bias and things that that women have to do. So my other piece of advice is to surround yourself with people who will be supportive of your goals and your vision and just keep going down that path. So I also want to know what you're doing now because you are still working alongside Sly James. I am. So tell us a little bit about 
about what you're doing now and your future. Sure. So I mentioned earlier that one of the things I love so much about being chief of staff to the mayor was that I got to work side by side with someone who has become one of my dearest friends. And he and I work well together. We are very much alike, but we also are different enough where our skill sets and our personalities are complementary. He oftentimes says that he's the engine and I'm the brakes, which is kind of funny, but very true. So we just launched about a month ago our consulting firm called Wickham James Strategies and Solutions. And we focus on political strategies, strategic communications, government relations, public policy, and mediations. We just love it. We're so happy. We have great clients. We're working on issues that are near and dear to our heart, things like climate change, diversity. We're helping PFLAG, which is an organization that helps family, friends, and allies of the LGBTQ community. They're bringing their national convention to Kansas City next month. So we're helping them. We've got some work in the education space. I mentioned some of the women's leadership things that we're up to. So it's just been, the response has been tremendous. It really has. I do love the flexibility that I have now that I didn't have when I was in the mayor's office. I love being able to, for the most part, drop my first grader off at school and pick her up and go to dance class with her without my phone ringing nonstop. <laughs> so it's great. We're, we're in a really great place. Well, wonderful. And who honestly knows Kansas City better than you two together combined? <laughs> so I think that's incredible. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for talking to me Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. Um, is there anything you want to add before we sign off? I would just add for people to be very active in their government. And I'm talking at every level. There's so many things going on right now in our country that I can't believe I'm watching in front of my eyes in 2019. And I just wish if more people paid attention and understood the impact of some of the things that are going on, I think we can really move society forward. But it's going to take people paying attention and activating their voices and um, voting. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that was Joni Wickham, former chief of staff for Sly James. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco.